Well, good evening. It's good to see you all here. Tonight we're going to be concluding our series on the Spirit. And I want you to imagine, as we conclude this, I want to imagine that you are a 2D creature living in what we're going to call is flatland, okay? That's all it is. And here you are, and here's your friend. You want a hat? Okay. And the hat. There you are in flatland. And so now here I am outside of this 2D realm in this 3D, three-dimensional realm, and I'm trying to, to interact with this and say, For example, I just even wanted my ring. If I was going to pass my ring through flatland, if it were to go through, what would their perspective be? Well, they'd probably see first the the tip of the ring, right? They'd see this tip coming through. And then as the ring started going, they might see it goes a little bit longer. And then they might see, well, there's now two lines. And then it goes back to a longer line. And then a smaller line. And so they would stand and they go, hey, did you see that? Yeah, what was that? Well, it was, it was a line and then it was a long line and then it was two lines. Then it was a long line again and then it was one line. This was a, a series of things that showed up. It was like five, six different things that showed up there. And then one of the people who's a little bit more intuitive might say, you know what? I think that was a ring. The other person would say, you're crazy. It was just lines. What do you mean it was a ring? I just have this feeling that it was more than just these lines. It was a sensation. And I'm trying to make myself, and so I'm like right here. And I'm like, hey, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And one of them says, you know, I feel like Sam is near. And they go, who's Sam? What are you talking about? I don't, I don't see anything. I don't sense anything. And they would have to develop language to try and communicate this sense that they have that something more is taking place than just what they see. And when we talk about spirit, we are putting language into things that we, that are more than what we see. Things that we believe. And so your language comes up with things like, well, it's faith. You have to have faith to see this. Or I feel this. Or, that's an E. Or I sense something is going on. Because it's not just something we see. It's something that we almost experience. But it's in this different realm. Have you ever had a sense of something spiritual. Anybody? Yes? No? Hello? Over here. Over here. (laughs) Even before I was a follower of Christ, I had these spiritual encounters where I had a sense of something, where I felt like there was the presence of something that was there. Good and bad. Even before I was a follower of Jesus, there were things that would happen in my life that were supernatural. A a telling of events, an unfolding of a circumstance. I was involved with some kind of strange things, but there was an awareness of something more. 
and we would find language for it. And so again, we talk about, you know, God, or you talk about this energy. That's the language I used to use. There's God is this energy. And we've talked about that a bit or a force. But now we see in scripture is there is actually a person trying to reveal himself to us in a way that is difficult for us because we are limited in our dimensions. Say I had even a piece, this one isn't quite chopped off, but if you were to look at this, and again, in a two-dimensional world, you might say this is a rectangular shape. You know, all you see is this rectangular, but if you had three dimensions, you could say, well, actually, it's circular. And so you know it's, it's rectangular. You know it's circular, depending on how you are looking at it. And then if you were outside and able to see in the three dimensions, you would say, yep. Is it rectangular? Yeah. Is it circular? Yeah. And I wonder so many times if our concept with God is so much. We think we have it all together. You have the rectangular people. And they're just like, this is how God is. God is rectangular. And then the other person, no, man. God is a circle. And he goes, no, we are right. We have four right angles. We know that God is rectangular. We have these things to prove it. And I'll give you my scriptures and prove it this way, this way, and this way. And the other person says, well, I got scriptures too. And my scriptures say God is circular. And God stands back and he just says, yep. Because we are trying to understand something that is beyond really our full comprehension. We see this much of a picture that is this big. And so when we go into this idea of spirit, we are grasping hold of the things that we don't see, but we believe they are real. And we believe them because we believe in God and God is spirit and as we've been talking about all along, that God has created us to be spiritual beings. We see that from the beginning of creation and all the things that God made. He breathed his breath into man and made man a living soul. And so we have this recognition that something more is happening. This spiritual realm is there and we are part of it. So how does that affect how we live? How does it determine the life that we're going to live? And that's what we're talking about is the role the Spirit plays in us and through us. And so turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll start at verse 19. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church who was given, actually we can start at verse 18, who was given into just living a life that was pretty crazy, pretty wild. And so Paul is wanting them to understand that their life has purpose and that they can't separate their life following Christ with their life doing whatever they want. And so in verse 18, he says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, 
whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And so Paul says, don't you realize you cannot separate the things you do from the person you are, that you are the temple. Temple. What was a temple? A temple was a place where people would go to worship. A temple was a place where people would go to encounter God. You go to the temple because that's where the presence of God was. Whether it was at the tabernacle at one time or what was the temple that was built. And to this day, there is this kind of language that goes on. We, we say things like, well, I'm going to go to church. Or I'm going to the synagogue. Or I'm going to the mosque. Or I'm going to the temple. What does that mean? Or I'm going to the place that is sacred. I'm going to the place to worship. I, I remember people coming in when we'd have, well, it's a week of prayer. And people would come in and they'd want to go into the sanctuary because the sanctuary is a sacred place. And they would get down before the the sanctuary stage and they would kneel down because for some reason if I kneel down and pray here, I have the feeling that this is something that is sacred. I'm in a place that is sacred to God. And you see, the temple was associated with a place at one time. Again, the tabernacle or the temple itself. It was a building. And so this place of worship, this place where you would go to encounter God was considered sacred. But the language is betraying what the scriptures teach us. As we just read, now Paul is telling you that you yourself are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so where you go to encounter God isn't a place a building, but it is actually within you. That you become the sacred space. And as we've said before, you don't go to church, you are the church. And so now this idea of temple becomes very personal because now I am the place where God resides. I am now a sacred space for God. And so when Paul is telling the Corinthians, don't you know that you yourselves are the temple of the Holy Spirit? He's telling them, you cannot separate who you are from the things that you do, that you take the sacred with you wherever you go. You are bought with a price. Don't you know who Jesus is and what he did? That Jesus, by going to the cross, made way so that you could be the sacred space for God. Don't you know who he is and what he's done? He's made it possible that you are the sacred space and the dwelling for God. Now, 
That's a pretty powerful and bold statement. But one of the things that we need to recognize about us as human beings, as being spiritual people, we are temples. We are meant to be inhabited by spirit. The question now is, whose spirit is going to inhabit us? So turn with me to Matthew chapter 12 and let's look at something disconcerting just for fun. Matthew chapter 12, go down to verse 43. Jesus is speaking and he says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, just pause there. Because that should make you think if this unpure spirit came out of a person, that meant that they were in a person. And that's kind of strange in itself. But he says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes, and it takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of the person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. A couple of things we want to notice here. One is the terminology that's used. Remember, when we're talking about the Spirit of God, we use the word He because it is a, a person. Here, this terminology is the word It, which is interesting because it's not giving a personage to this Spirit. And so there is this difference that is taking place, He as opposed to It. And it's interesting because when this impure spirit leaves this person. It goes through arid places looking for a place to dwell on it. So we see that there is this need for the spirit, this spirit, to inhabit something, someone. But it doesn't find a place and then it goes back to the person and then it finds the house swept and clean and everything put in order and then it says, well, great, now I'm going to bring seven more spirits to inhabit this place so that it's even worse than it began. Have you ever known people who try to get their life together, but they don't encounter God, they don't receive what God has for them? They might go through, you know, an alcoholic synonymous class, they might go through some life cleaning up class, something that's there. But what happens is they try to get their life together without God. And then they find that their soul cannot be met, the needs of their soul cannot be met in just the material, the two-dimensional world. And so what happens is they start wanting something else and they're really open for more and they end up going back or finding themselves in a worse condition than they were actually in. The core need that your soul has 
cannot be met in a material way. The soul needs to be met, the needs of the soul need to be met in a spiritual way. And so there is the Spirit of God and then there are other spirits. And we live in this dimension. And it shows up in different ways because we are supposed to be the temple of God's Spirit But if we're not the temple of God's spirit, then we try and satisfy our lives, but we find there is a need there that is bigger than what the material can satisfy. And so then we open ourselves to these spirits that cause havoc. And so you have ideas like reincarnation and people saying, you know, I have these memories of another life. And they recall different things that have happened in a past life. And you find, well, these things were accurate. How did they know what those things were in a past life? They only lived so long. Well, there are spirits who have been here a lot longer who have access to time in a way that we don't. And so now these things start to show up in their lives because, again, our lives, our beings are spiritual. And what our souls crave is spiritual in need, in origin. And if we don't recognize that we are made for God and allow God to inhabit us, we open ourselves up to a lot of things. And a lot of things take advantage of that. A lot of spirits then can wreak havoc on us. Turn to Ephesians Chapter 2, starting at verse 15. Speaking of Jesus, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity. I love that, out of the two, thus making peace. And so Paul is saying that Jesus came to create one new humanity, and he's speaking specifically of the Jewish people and then the rest of the world. And Christ came to make one new humanity. There is no longer Jew. There is no longer the Greek. There is just this one new humanity and making peace. And in verse 16, one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, both to those who were the Jewish tradition and family and both to those who were the Gentile. Verse 18, For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. We have now access to God by this one Spirit. The Spirit is now our means to God because of what Jesus did on the cross. We have access to God. We have forgiveness of sins. We have been cleansed. Our bodies now are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have this relationship that is opened up to God. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of His household 
built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You are a dwelling that God lives by his spirit. Now, the amazing thing is that we do not lose our identity just because God dwells in us. God's personality does not overtake our personality. And we see that through Scripture. We see the the people that God uses that are filled with His Spirit, that are empowered by His Spirit, still have their dynamic, whether it's Peter, whether it's Paul, or whether it's one of the prophets. And so it's not that God is weird, but sometimes we're weird. And God still shows up in us, even though we're a little quirky sometimes. I mean, you look at some of the prophets and they seem a little bipolar. They seem a little off sometimes. And some of the things they do are a little peculiar. Because God inhabits human beings, but doesn't take over our personality. He just makes us a place that is now sacred, that God now works in and that God now works through. And so our bodies become the temple. Our ultimate intention and design is that we live as a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. You're a spiritual creature living between these two kingdoms, between the spirit of light and the spirit of darkness, the spirit of life and the spirit of death. And you are here living to be an example of the kingdom of light. And so Jesus comes on and he says, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is within you. And Paul picks up and saying, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God now lives in you. that you are the dwelling place of the sacred and God is at work in and through you. And then as Paul is unfolding what this temple of God looks like and how the Spirit of God works in and through his people, he goes in Corinthians chapter 12 and he talks about the working of the Spirit, that God does different things through different people, through different gifts and empowers people to do things in various ways and in various means. And then in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, he says, actually in chapter 12, the last verse in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, he says, but I show you a more excellent way. Eagerly eagerly desire the greater gifts, chapter 12, verse 31, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. So God is going to work in and through us and He's going to gift us and empower us in these various ways, but He's going to show us the most excellent way. And then we have 
chapter 13, where he says, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. And where there are tongues, they will be stilled. And where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child when I became a man. I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but when we shall see face to face, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. He's going to show us a more excellent way. The evidence that you are truly a spiritual being, that you are truly the temple of the living God, is love. That is the full and clear expression of who God is. That you are a person who loves. And so, Paul continues this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. We've talked about this already, the fruit of the Spirit. And as we see, the fruit of the Spirit starts off and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. We have access to God by the one Spirit. God has made us the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is always driving us to love, always driving us to life. And so, the spirit of the world, we have hatred. We have bitterness. We have arrogance. Yeah. We have greed. We have lust. That's 
all part of the spirit of this world. These are the things that are darkening our souls. These are the things that would take us away from the image of God. And instead, what the Spirit of God wants to do, instead of hatred, He wants to give us love. Instead of bitterness, He wants to give us forgiveness. This is all part of the fruit of the Spirit, the things that the Spirit of God does within us. Instead of arrogance, He wants to give us humility. Instead of greed, generosity. And instead of love, he wants to give us integrity. How do you spell integrity? I-T-Y. The spirit of the world, the spirit of darkness, these are the things that inhabit people. The spirit of God, love, forgiveness, humility, generosity, integrity, these are the, the works, the fruit of the spirit that is to take place in our lives. You see, you were meant to be the temple of the living God. You are a spiritual being and spiritual beings are inhabited by spirits. Whose spirit is inhabiting us? Is it the spirit of God or is it the spirit of this world? And the spirit of this world shows up in a variety of ways but the Spirit of God changes who we are. Not just the things that happen around us, but the things that happen in us. And we need the Spirit of God to change who we are. We cannot change ourselves. We clean the house up, we sweep it up, but then seven other spirits will come in and take charge. The only way we can change is if the Spirit of God dwells in us. The only way the Spirit of God can dwell in us is because we receive the work that Jesus did for us. And that makes us sons and daughters, His children. That makes us the temple of the living God. Paul says in Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You see, if your life is a sacred place for God, then everything you do has spiritual implications. It doesn't matter if you go to school, if you go to work, it doesn't matter if you're watching TV, if you're going to a baseball game and the Dodgers had an amazing game yesterday. Last two games. It doesn't matter what you are engaged in, whatever you do. In word and deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, do it to reflect who you are. You are the temple of the living God. You are a sacred person because of who you belong to, because the Spirit of God dwells in you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, Paul says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. The reason prophecy is because that is able to proclaim the person of Jesus who has enabled us to be the temple of the living God. 
but you are to follow the way of love. You see, you will never know what it means to live in the presence of God until you follow the way of love. You will never know what it means to know the power of God until you walk in the way of love. You will never know what it means to be fully alive until you follow the way of love. Because the way of love is the way of God. It is who God is. When you begin to live in God's love, you will begin to love all of life. And the problem we have so many times is we don't live in God's love and so we begin to hate the things of life. And if you find yourself just drudging life and hating the things of the place that you're at in life, then you know that you are not living fully in the things that God has for you. That you are not following the love that God has for you because your life is now being burdened. You're now being filled with just complaining, with bitterness. It's not the fruit of the Spirit. You're not walking in the love of God. The Spirit of God is there to give you Life, the Spirit of God is there to inhabit you. You were created to have an understanding that you are not just a being who has a body, that you are, again, a spiritual being that has a body. You're not just a body that has spiritual appetites. You are a spiritual being with physical appetites that you know that there is something more than what meets the eye. You are aware of a spiritual reality that is around us. In fact, now that spirit wants to indwell you and make you and me holy. Make us the temple. Make us a sacred space that God will now use. And so Jesus says things like, you are the light of the world. Interesting who he said that to. He said that to a multitude of people. Why would he tell them they're the light of the world? Have they accepted who Christ is? Because they don't realize yet that they were created by God to be the the pinnacle of his creation. You see, God, when he created, he created the heavens and the earth. He separated the light from darkness. Remember this. The expanse in the sky and the earth, the water and the land. Don't need any more ease in the water. The plants, the animals, he created man, and then he said, I think I can do better. There you go. (laughs) Waiting for the ladies to go, hey, that's me. Created man and woman. And you see, man is at the pinnacle of God's creation. And as we see the creation of God takes place, it is in man that he breathes his spirit. Man became a living soul. And so I know you love your dog and your dog might be smarter than you, 
but your dog does not have a soul. And we already know the cats don't. So, <laughs> nothing else in creation exemplifies who God is like the human being. As I said it before, nothing can show the attributes of God more than you and I. The greatest sunset the galaxies and all their magnificent do not give the clear representation of who God is like you and I. Because we can show love. Stars don't show love. They're just amazing. They're beautiful. But you see a mom loving her child and you've got a clear picture of who God is than all the stars in the galaxy. Because God is love. You see, man is the pinnacle of God's creation and this is where the Spirit of God and the material world intersect in a way that is showing us who God is more than anything else. All these other things, they're, they're all amazing. It's all created. But right here, something magnificent takes place. Right here, the Spirit of God inhabits humanity. Right here, the Spirit of God and all the things that were created by God, the invisible things that became visible, show up more clearly than anywhere else. And it's not that man is so great and man is so amazing. It's that God is so great and He has breathed in us and made us His creation. And when we begin to live in God's love, we begin to be an example to all of life around us. You were designed to be inhabited by Spirit. You were designed to take in the breath of God and be filled with His Spirit. And so just as God breathed in the first man, Adam, the breath of life and made him a living soul, we see Jesus in John chapter 20 breathing on the disciples and saying, receive the Spirit so that we could have that life of God exemplified in us. We are the intersection between the Spirit and and the material. We are the ones who connect the dots between the invisible and the material. We are the ones who are aware something more is happening than meets the eye. We have faith in God because He has given us His Spirit. We we sense and know and see the reality of God take place in our lives as we pray and people are healed, as we pray and we see God move and do things among us as we are aware that there are spiritual influences around us. I've had spiritual encounters that I don't ever want to have again that are with these spirits that are just dark and scary and evil. I don't want to go there, but I know they exist. 
but I don't have to be afraid of this dwelling if I am living with this dwelling. If this is my home, then my home is filled. If this is my temple, my temple is filled with this spirit. You see, I don't need to be afraid of these things. What I need to do is be filled with him. I don't need to be afraid of it if I belong to him. And what has to happen, I think, in our lives to give us wholeness isn't we need to go find more things to do. Those things should come after we encounter the living God. When you encounter God, you encounter life, then he shows you how to live. But if you just have your house clean, thinking, okay, I've gotten rid of all the junk in my life. I'm going to live a straight-edge life. I don't think they use that term anymore. But anyway, I'm going to just, man, I'm going to stop all this bad stuff. I'm going to stop. I know that's wrong. I'm going to stop the drugs. I'm going to stop this excess. I'm going to stop those things because they're bad for me. Well, that's great, but what are you living for? Who dwells in your temple? Because unless you're living for something, and Paul tells us that we are to live and follow the way of love, we are to follow the God who has given us life, unless you're living for God, you're really not alive. Your house might be clean, it might look good, but you're not alive. And so the whole role of the Spirit is to connect us to the God who made us. The role of the Spirit is so that we can be connected to the God who created us. And so the Spirit in Romans chapter 8 says, intercedes with our spirit, with groanings that cannot be uttered. God dwelling in us understanding us, communicates with us, not in words, but by His Spirit. And so we have a recognition of God and His work and His life in us. And that's where we need to be living. And that's why the Spirit of God is so important. He is the one who brings life. He is the one who makes us sacred because of what Jesus has done. We are now the temple of the sacred. Jesus makes us sacred. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And our house is filled with love, with the forgiveness, humility, the generosity, integrity because of the Spirit of God. That is the fruit of the Spirit who is to dwell in us. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, I do thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives, and I pray that his work would continue, and Lord, that it would fill us completely. Lord, that we would recognize that we are your holy people, that we are sacred because of the work of Jesus and what he has done. And Lord, that you dwell in us and that you 
want to fill us to use us. And so, Father, I pray that we would follow the way of love, that our lives would be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, and, Lord, that we would yield ourselves to you and allow the life that you give to be seen in us and seen in the things that we do. And, Father, that we would be those people who live in a a world that is blind to this dimension, who, who only sees the material, that we would be the ones to help illuminate that that's not just a line, that there is a ring here, that that is not just something you feel, that there is God wanting to reveal himself to you, that we would help connect the dots to people who do not see, do not have eyes to see, do not have ears to understand or hearts to perceive. May we be the people to help illuminate what it is you're saying and what it is you have done through the person of Jesus. And I thank you for, again, this time in Jesus' name.